Father, that you allowed yourself to be led to the cross for our sake. We're in this holy week, this passion week. Let us understand all that you've done for us and that we would be led to the cross and we rid ourselves job team appreciate you so much Derek and everybody thank you thank you thank you it's really really well done today all right we've been talking about 40 days of focus some call it Lent we talk about 40 days of focus as we try to prepare ourselves for Easter the resurrection of Jesus Christ celebration Sunday as it's called oftentimes and we said this that it's a time for prayer it's a time for fasting it's a time for sacrifice uh, it's a time for giving. And so I hope that as you walk through this week, you'll think about those things. And the Lord will bring them to your mind, and then you'll practice them and be a part of each other's life and the life of Christ. Now, I'm going to give you a suggestion. I'm going to help you today to already be a person of giving. We have this little card right here. I told you I was going to mention it again. I want to give you an opportunity to give this morning, and that's to fill out this card. Now, about now, you should be reaching for it, doesn't it? This would be a way to start off your week of giving. It might be the simplest thing you'll do all week. Doesn't cost any money. All it takes is about two minutes out a prayer request so that we can pray for you. So I'll look forward to a number of cards today. Some of you will be the first time and we will get so excited about that on when we pray. As we go through it, we always go, oh, that's the first time they've ever turned in a card, don't we, Hank? <laughs> we get excited about that. So let us get excited a lot of times this week because we'll be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday afternoon, 1245 at Ruby. We want to pray for you. Be a way for you to give this morning. The Lord will be honored, lifted high. Take advantage of that. All right, as we go through the Easter code, one thing, just one thing, I'm asking you to come away from this morning with one thing that you will do, that you will practice, that God's put in your heart, that he showed you for you to be able to take advantage of this as we go through review this last week and what we read. God has for just one thing. Did you get that? One thing, one thing to be a part of that. I read a little article this morning, even I talked about that. It was from Financial Peace University. And this little byline on my email this morning was just one thing. I go, you're good, Lord. You're good, Lord. Even Financial University, Peace University gets it too. So I just ask the Lord right now. God, give me one thing today that I can take and that I can apply and that will help me to understand the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we concentrate, as we look forward to celebrating the Lord's Supper even this morning. Let me give you some directions again. When we get to the Lord's Supper at the end of the service today, it is for believers. I remind you of that. It's important that you understand that. 
be great if you're not a believer to come to be a believer before we get to the Lord's Supper today. But as we get done, we'll finish. I'll ask you to come up and to grab with the elements right here. There are those that are in the cups, the wafers at the bottom, and the juices on the top, and then those that are prepackaged, and the wafer and the juices there. And then we'll come back and we'll sit down and we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Okay? So just a reminder of that. So as we think about the Easter code in the book and what God has for us this morning, I'm thinking of working through this week. He starts off on Monday by talking about the gift. And the gift is a part of our lives and the gifts that we've received. And we celebrate even this week as we have the gift of Christ, His sacrifice for us, and then His resurrection on behalf of, of us, and His victory over sin and death and, and the grave. So uh, let me ask you this. He starts off by saying, have you memorized Scripture? And he says, probably the most well-known, most memorized scripture is what? John 3.16, okay, that would be at the top of the list. Uh, he doesn't give a list, but how about John 11.35? Jesus wept, okay, most of you got that one, right? If it wasn't that one, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing, okay? You know, got two words, Jesus wept, three words, and pray without ceasing. You know, we... We got those down pretty good. But probably John 3.16, but for most of us, might have been that first verse that we ever memorized. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you don't have that one down, it would be a great one to get down today. What a great verse. And being a pastor, uh, Dr. Hawkins, as he puts together his book, these are probably sermons that he's written throughout his, throughout his years. He's a great pastor. But he talks about, he takes that and he breaks that verse apart. And he talks about, he has four C's. You might have noticed that as you were going through there. Those are things that speak to me that, okay, he's using alliteration. Being able to use words that start with the same letter so that it helps us remember what they are. And he talks about, first of all, he talks about the cause of us great salvation. The cause is God himself, for God so loved the world. And he goes on and he says, now there's a cost of salvation, which is what? He gave his only son. And then he talks about the condition of salvation. Whoever believes in him, that's our condition. We need him. And then he concludes by the consequence of salvation. What is that? Shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life or eternal life. Life with him forever. Going through that, the cause, the cost, the condition, and the consequence that. And then he goes on to say, and this is pretty good, I thought this was pretty good. So, so how do you get a gift? Yeah, you receive it. There you go. I use the word accept it. Same thing. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. It's a gift, right? But you've got to go, okay, I will take it. I will make it a part of my life. I will accept it. I will receive it. Now, we know sometimes, you know, there's been gifts that maybe you go, oh, I'm not sure I want that one. And that, now that's that was only when you were younger, okay? I understand that, right? But, but we had that. But, but these gifts are offered to us, and, and that gift that is given to us is given to us in His grace. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. What Jesus did for us on the cross, which you celebrate here in the Lord's Supper, what He did for us in His resurrection, we don't deserve that. We don't earn that. It is a gift of grace. And so he takes us, he takes us to Romans 6.23, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift 
of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I always put in there, an extra, not in the text, but the free gift of God. As I look at the passage, it's not in there, but that's what it is. It is a, it is a free gift. Yes, it's costly, but it is free to us. We didn't do anything to earn or deserve it. We simply have to receive it. We simply have to accept it and make it a part of our life, what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's the gospel. The gospel in a nutshell, as he puts it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel, the good news, the word meaning good news, the proclamation that goes out of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Certainly the good news is there found in, John, in, in Romans chapter 6.23, as we said. For the wages of sin is death. We know that. That's what we deserve for our, for our sin. But the gift of God, the grace gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. We celebrate that again today in the Lord's Supper. We recognize what he has done for us. Well, that's Monday. Tuesday, he talks about hammer. He's thinking about the hammer that nailed Jesus Christ to the cross and thinking about that. He says, probably no words have been uh, quoted more than Jesus' words on the cross. And he's in, in day, day, on Tuesday and Wednesday, he goes through the seven sayings of Christ on the cross, putting those two chapters together. Nine o'clock in the morning, Jesus is on the cross, dying for us, giving his life for us. And then at noon, around noontime, all of a sudden, this mysterious darkness covers the earth. And then during that time and before that time, he, he speaks before the darkness covers the earth. And he says, first of all, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He died praying for others. Here he is on the cross, giving his life, suffering so much physically, but the spiritual pain greater than the physical pain. And yet here he is saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, he said you should love your enemies. Luke chapter 6, verse 28. Love your enemies. Pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who persecute you. The Sermon on the Mount. And here he is. He always practiced what he preached. That's a pretty good thing to have in your, your repertoire, right? But he always did that. He said, love your enemies. And here he is on the cross. And he's loving his enemies. Father, forgive them for what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. And yet we know it's God's plan. This is God's plan for the Savior to die for us and to give his life for us. As I was thinking about this chapter, I thought about this. It is never too late to forgive. It is never too late to forgive. Even Jesus hanging on the cross, about ready to die, says, forgiveness is given to you. There's people in your life that you probably need to forgive. But I'm here to remind you, it is never too late. Do it today if you need to. Let it start in your heart. 
because that's where it starts. You have to say, Father, I, I, I need your help to be able to forgive this person. And then know how to be able to put it into practice for them. To show them that I am forgiven. But it starts right here. And you know what? Sometimes we just have to keep saying it too because sometimes it comes back up again. Satan brings it up. Our mind brings it up. And we have to go, Father, I forgive. I've done that. I've done that. Let me have your peace in the midst of it. But as it goes on, as Jesus is on the cross, and he shares it together, and the second statement that he makes for us is this, to that guilty man on the cross. You got one in the middle who's dying for the sins of the world, but he's not guilty. You got two guys on the side who are guilty. They're dying for their sin. They deserve to be there. And one reaches out to Jesus and recognizes that he is the Savior. And Jesus says to him, Today, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, he knows he's going to die. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. And I'm sure that was really, really good news. The other man's over there still railing. The other man's over there just cursing Jesus. And Jesus, the one who's guiltless, in the midst of the guilty man, says to the one, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. You know this? It's never too late to believe. It's never too late to believe. I mean, we've heard of deathbed conversions. Praise God. That's just as good as a five-year-old accepting Jesus Christ. It's just as good as a man on the cross saying, you're the Savior. I want you to be a part of my life. But here's the, here's the question. Don't let it be too late. It's never too late to believe, but don't let it be too late to believe. Because, see, the only breath I can guarantee is the one you just took. And you may be sitting here today going, well, you know, I got time. I'm young. I can just wait. I say to you, do not, do not, do not take that approach. Because you don't know when your last breath is coming. Today is the day of salvation. To come to him and to say yes to him, to believe make him a part of your life. The third statement Jesus made on the cross is this. He says to John, here's Jesus on the cross dying in great pain, bearing the sin of the world. And he looks down and he sees his mother. And in a sense, he's no longer his, her son. He's her savior now. All the culmination of what was prophesied in Luke chapter 2 man and Simeon, that the sword will pierce your heart and soul. She's experiencing these right now. She sees her son, now the Savior, dying. And he says to John, behold your mother. And to her, she says, he says to her, woman, behold your son. Woman, behold your son. A term of endearment in that day. We take it, it might be a little bit harsh. No, it's not. It was a term of endearment. It was a term of care. And he says, now John, and it says, John took him in, took him, took her into his home and, and cared for her. On the cross, on the cross, Jesus has time to care for his mother. It's never too late to care for somebody. Never too late to care for somebody. You have people in your life, you have people in your world today that you need to show care to. They need your touch. They need your hand. They need your prayers this morning, this afternoon. 
never too late. Those are the first three sayings of Jesus on the cross as a part of our lives. And that hammer that nailed those nails in there into his, into his hands, into his feet, remind us of what he has done for us, of his incredible, incredible, matchless, wonderful grace that he exhibits to us. Our third day this week on Wednesday, the code word is tag. And uh, he equates it to like you're going to go do your Easter shopping because you're going to buy a new dress, you're going to buy a new skirt, you're going to buy some new shoes, and you're going to buy a new shirt, new pair of pants. Well, men probably won't be doing that, right? Ladies might do the, the former, right? For the kids, we get them all dressed up. And he reminds us that as we go to buy things for Easter, maybe you're going to uh, buy the Easter eggs and have your Easter egg hunt and that sort of thing. He says, you go and you see those tags. Let it remind you that the death of Jesus Christ was costly. There was a price to be paid for what Jesus did for us. As he goes through and he, he reminds us of what Jesus did, has done for us in this fourth saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, he's gone through the trials through the night. They put him on the cross early in the morning. He's hung there through those days. And now at noontime, this, this mysterious, this darkness comes over the earth. And Jesus recognized, he knows what's happening. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did he forsake him? He's still his son. He's still valuable to him and important. But we know that our sin separates us from God. And in that moment, the father has to turn his face away because he cannot bear to look upon the sin of the whole world on his son. It says in, in Isaiah 59, this verse reminds us that God is so holy he cannot look upon sin 59, Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins has hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And in that moment on the cross, as that darkness covered the earth, the Father had to turn his face away from the Son, still with the, the perfect love for him, but as he bore the sins, our sins, your sins, of the world, as he bore those sins, the Father could not look upon him because the work of God was taking place in his sacrifice for us. His bearing his sin for us. Your iniquities have separated you from God. You can't look upon our sin. And Jesus bearing that sin doing the work that we should have had to have done for our own sin, dying for our own sin. The Father, in a way, moved away from Him. Hawkins writes, On the cross, Jesus took our iniquity, our sin, in His own body, suffering our shame, humiliation, agony, and death, all consequences we deserve. say in Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, every one of us has turned to his own, our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's grace. 
grace. We did not deserve it. We deserve to be on the cross for our sin to bear what we have done, just like the guilty men on the sides of Jesus were there because of their own guilt, of their own shame, of their own sin. They're getting the consequence of there's Jesus guiltless, without sin. And he bore your sin, and he bore my sin. The sin of every person in the world, in his body, on the tree, in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. See, the Father, in his turning away from that sin, and then the lights come back on, the darkness dissipates, and the lights come on. The Father accepted the Son's sacrifice for all sin. Father accepted what Jesus Christ did in bearing the sins of the world. He didn't leave him on the cross, did he? No. Did he did he turn the lights back on? Did the light the darkness go away? Yes. That's a picture of that Jesus or the Father accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made for us for the sins. If if he hadn't have, he could have just kept it dark. It could could have just gone on forever, but no. He said, He did the work. He did the work of bearing the sin of the world. He was the propitiation. He was the one who was the sin bearer, the one who bore sin for us so that we could have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 9.15, read it with me. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Read it again. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That didn't sound like you have a lot of thanks in your heart for that today. Let's read it like we really mean it, right? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Yeah, you bet, we better. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me, your grace. What Jesus Christ has done, this free gift. What do we need to do with that gift? We need to accept it. We need to receive it. We need to make it a part of our lives and say yes to Him. We need to believe. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. And that's what we do when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We say, thank you. We say, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. We're grateful for your death for us. We proclaim your death, it says, we talk about it. We make it a part of our lives and celebrating it until he comes again. The past, the future, as we gather together to take the Lord's Supper and to thank him for this indescribable gift, this, this grace that he, has ex, that he has extended to us. The author writes this. He goes, Lord, give me a glimpse of your holiness. Thank you, Greg, for leading us there in Isaiah chapter 6. Lord, give me a glimpse of your holiness like Isaiah had this glimpse of your holiness. You are holy, set apart. And my own sin is so serious, it necessitated the cross. My own sin is so serious, it necessitated the cross. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
for your indescribable gift. Thursday, he uses the code word bill, talking about a bill that you might receive. Not bill, like in Bill Bailey. <laughs> and I really did have an uncle named Bill Bailey, all right? So, <laughs> um, bill that you might receive. Thought of the song as I was thinking right through my sermon this morning, reading through my sermon. Jesus paid it all. All to him I give. Jesus paid it all. All to him I give. Even the songs that we sang earlier, Derek did a great job of leading us to the cross and what Jesus has done for us. And it's this saying from the cross. As the lights came back on, as the darkness dissipated from around, Jesus said, I thirst. There's a picture of his humanity. You see, Jesus was fully God, fully man. These natures were not commingled together in some weird way. He was fully man, but he was fully God. It's hard for us to understand that, but that is the truth of who he was. As man, he was without sin, because he didn't sin. As God, he was without sin, because God does not sin. It's one of the things God can, can't do. He cannot sin. But he's fully God, and he's fully man. And in his humanity, he got tired. That's why he was sleeping on the boat. He's beat, just like you. What's the favorite saying of people when I ask them how they're doing on Sunday morning? tired. <laughs> of course you're tired. Satan wants you to be tired. No matter how much sleep you get, you come tired, right? <laughs> yeah, I come tired too. But Jesus was human. He felt pain when he got flogged. They pulled that whip off from him, rip up his back. He felt pain. He got tired. He got hungry. I would imagine maybe when he fed the 5,000, 4,000, it's quite possible he had some of that bread that he made too out of the miracle. <laughs> yeah, because he was fully human. And so in that, he, he thirsts. As the lights come on, as the darkness dissipates, he says he's done the work because the next statement is this. It is finished. It is is finished. I've done the work that God sent me to do. I've done the work that I voluntarily said I would do. I was led to the cross. We sang, lead me to the cross. Jesus was led to the cross by his Father and by his own self. He willingly, voluntarily went to the cross for us. He didn't have to be, you know, conjoled. He didn't have to be, you know, encouraged and kicked in the backside to go. He knew what his purpose was. He knew what his message was going to be. And he went to the cross willingly to give his life for us. And he said, it is finished. He knew the work that he had done in those three hours, the sacrifice for us, that Jesus had accepted, the Father had accepted what he had done. And he had done the work. He had bore the sins, 
He had made a propitiation for us. He had done the, the, uh, the aspect of loving us so much and extending His grace and doing the hard work that was so hard and bearing the sin of the world that He could say, I finished it. I've done what you asked me to do. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. The debt has been paid in full as you think about the bill. Not a little bit. It wasn't like he came and he made a little down payment. And, you know, now through the years, he's added a little bit to it, you know, and he's paid off another 10 bucks of your sin, another 20 bucks of your sin. No, no, it, it's paid in full if you'll accept the gift. It's paid in full for every person. If they'll just accept the gift and say yes to him and invite him to be a part of our lives, to receive him and to accept him and to say yes to what Jesus has done lastly, his last statement from Luke chapter 23. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I give myself to you. I've done the work. Now, I look forward to the day when I'm back with you and you're back back in our heavenly home. So every time you get a bill this week, however you get it, maybe you get it off the computer, maybe it comes in the mail, Every time you get a bill, just remember that Jesus paid your debt in full. Your sin debt. What you owed for your sin, Jesus paid it in full. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Beautiful verses in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Read it with me if you would. You are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We had nothing to do with paying our debt. Jesus paid it all with his precious blood, as a lamb without spot and without blemish. We're so thankful to experience his grace. Thank you for your marvelous, matchless, your wonderful grace. On Friday, his code word was mirror. He's talking about relationships, the importance of relationships in our life. And he says probably the number one goal, the number one thought or purpose of people that in their life would be this, is to have a meaningful relationship. Now, others might have other goals and thoughts like that, but, but primarily... We would like to have meaningful relationships in our lives. Somebody to love us. Somebody to care for us. Somebody to be there when we need them to be there for us. How important relationships are in our lives. And he says there's only three types of relationships. There's the inward relationship. My relationship with myself. We all have that. And we need to, we need to recognize that. Because nobody talks to ourselves more than we do. I didn't make that up. That comes from Grief Share on Thursday night. <laughs> Nobody talks to ourselves more than we talk to ourselves. Then there's the outward relationships. That's the inward relationship. Then there's the outward relationship with the people around us. People that we like, people that we struggle with, people that we work with, people that we go to school with, people in our own family, all those people. So we have the inward, we have the outward, and then we have the upward relationship. What is our relationship with God? We have those three types of relationships. As we go through life, we recognize that 
that, you know, we, we, need to, we need to treat ourselves well, too. There needs to be a sense of, Lord, you created me. I'm valuable. And I'm going to take care of myself. And I'm going to take care of my mind. I'm going to take care of my heart. I'm going to take care of my spirit. Because you created me. I've been created in your image. I'm valuable. And these people around me, you know what? They're valuable, too. I need to take good care of them. When I take good care of myself, it's going to be a lot easier to take good care of the people around me. But the most important relationship I have is with you. That's the one that's most important. And I remind you, if this relationship is important, isn't, isn't in the right place, a vertical thing, I can guarantee your relationships out here are not going to be in the right place either. And when your relationships out here are not in the right place, I can tell you this, your relationship with God is not right either. They all interact. They all intersect. How important it is to have this relationship settled. I have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And it is meaningful. He's a part of my life. And I commune with Him each day. I spend time with Him each day. And speaking for us is what we should be doing. I need this relationship. And when it's right, when it's good... My relationships out here are going to be better. And when I have the relationship with him right, I can guarantee you my heart's going to be a lot better too. Because it's not going to be chattering at me. Hey, buddy. There's some things you need to settle with God. There's some things you need to work on. And God is willing to extend his grace. And he's willing to help you to work on those things. Again, he doesn't walk around saying, this is what you should do, this is what you should do. And say, yeah, but do it yourself. No, he says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. He will help you do the things I'm asking you to do. Depend on Him. Go to Him. Find His help. Find His strength in these relationships, how important they are. He says, he gives us Ephesians 1, 7. He says, in Him, Christ, in this relationship, we have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Like you've heard that word a few times today. The grace, unmerited favor, Undeserved, What God has done for us in His death, burial, and resurrection, giving us His Holy Spirit, giving us His Word, He's extended His grace toward us. You see, what Christ has to offer to us is not religion, and it's not ritual, but it's a relationship. And boy, when, you know, people that, that I know that have grown up in traditional churches, and they've had this tradition in their life and ritual in their life, when we tell them that what he's talking about is not that, what he's talking about is a relationship, the lights go on. Oh, that's what I've been hearing from the Word of God all these years. It's about a relationship, not religion. We don't come here to practice religion. We come here to practice a relationship with Him. All that He's done for us is grace that has been extended for us. It's not ritual. It's not ritual to do this once a month. No, it's about a relationship. It's what He's done for us. His death, burial, and resurrection for us. It's about this, this closeness, this intimacy, this relationship that's so, so valuable. So He says, when you look in the mirror, sometimes we look in the mirror and go, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> we all understand that. When you look in the, the mirror, let her remind you of these three relationships. That I have a relationship with myself, I have a relationship with you all and others, and I have a relationship, the most important is this relationship with God. On Saturday, yesterday, his code word was choice. 
I think he does a great job in this chapter, this little chapter. He says this, he says, Neglect causes many problems in our physical and spiritual life. We all know that he talks about a car. If we don't do preventative maintenance to it, and we hear something, we know something's going wrong, and we don't take care of it, it can lead to bigger problems. If you don't change your oil for about 40,000 miles, you know, it could be a problem later on down the road, right? But he talks about preventative maintenance, how important that is. And then he makes this statement. It's really significant. He said the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus about death, burial, resurrection, his life, his death, and then his life again. This message is, he says, some reject it. Outright reject it. Yeah, I don't want anything to do it. Some accept it. You've probably accepted it today. But he said mainly people just flat out neglect it. Because they go, oh, you know, I got time. I got time. Someday, someday I'm going to deal with Jesus. So I'm going to deal with the truths of the gospel. But you know what? Right now it's a little bit cumbersome. It's a, it's a little bit confining to do that. If I give my life to Jesus, it's going to mean da 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 And I really don't want to do that. And so I'm just going to neglect him. Someday I'll make him part of my life. Please do not. Today is the day of salvation. Because you don't know that you have tomorrow. You just don't know. Today is the day of salvation. And people around us pray for them today. God, would you would you do your work as I pray through your one, my our ones list, the people that you've given to me that you want to see come to know Jesus Christ. So I pray through that again this morning pray that today would be that day. You pray for your one right now. God, help them to find you today. Why do you do that? Because you care for them. You love them. You want them to have an eternal relationship with the Heavenly Father. You want their sin to be forgiven. You want them to be redeemed, to be reconciled, to be brought back in a relationship with the Father. And someday you want to be with them in heaven. Because if they don't invite Christ, they're going to have a Christless eternity. Jesus said that. I and mean, we don't make that up. Christ said that. See, when you die, you're going to want to go to heaven. I can guarantee you that. So keep praying for them. Keep praying that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2.3 says this, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That author says, how are we going to escape the judgment and what we deserve for our sins if we neglect the salvation that he has provided for us? The grace that is extended to us when Jesus has done for it. You don't want to miss it. Don't neglect him today. Don't reject him today. Accept him today. And lastly, if you read this morning, code word was tears. He's talking about Palm Sunday, which we celebrate even today. You're wondering if I was going to get there, weren't you? <laughs> Let us save the best for last. In chronological, we'll go ahead. Palm Sunday. The day when the crowds were there, and they were singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this parade was taking place. 
honestly, Jesus knew it was a sham. Oh, yeah, there were some that did believe that. But the fact is, what they were looking for is a military leader. If he was a military leader, you know what he'd have ridden in on? Yeah, a horse. <laughs> I was going to say a tank, but you knew that wasn't true. <laughs> he'd have ridden in on a horse. But what did he ride in? A donkey, a colt. Why? Because he's saying, I'm not who you think I am. He knows who he is. <laughs> No question about that. But you think you want, a, you want a Roman leader. You want a military leader to deliver you from the oppression of the Romans. Okay, we can understand that. But that's not who I am. I'm the Savior, and I'm coming as a peacemaker. I'm coming as a humble, humble man, the God-man for you. Therefore, this is what I'm demonstrating. And they did not understand. And we know this. cheers later turned into jeers. Oh, you're great. Hosanna, blessings ye. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Didn't take long. Didn't take long. The reality of who Jesus was, and they did not want to accept him as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the Anointed One, as the one prophesied throughout the Old Testament to come. Savior, the suffering servant, couldn't accept him. Those cheers turned into jeers as the author writes. You can imagine he's riding in on that donkey, hearing all this, but knowing that it's soon going to change. And it says in Luke chapter 19, and when he drew near to the city, he wept over it, saying, if you had known the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. They couldn't understand who he was, what he is going to do for them. You see, his tears were because he cares. His tears were because he cares. And he cares so much, he let himself be led to the cross. He cares so much, he let himself be led to the cross. And this week, we want to be led to the cross and to the empty tomb. This holy week, this passion week, that's what we've been working toward these 40 days, is that we would have an excitement and enthusiasm towards Celebration Sunday, Easter Sunday. It just wouldn't come and go, but it would be a day that really means something, and the way it's going to really mean something, if you will take time, invest with Him in this relationship with Him this week. Take the Easter Code book. You've got it. Read it. I know not all of you have it, but most of you have it. Make sure you read it each day. Read it to somebody. somebody some of you have told me you've been reading it with people. That's so good. That's so good. Go back through and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the, from the triumphal entry in. Go to Faith Gateway or to Got Questions and get a timeline for what happened on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday so that you can understand what Jesus went through this week and spend some extra time with him, drawing close to him and thanking him for what he's done for us. I ask you to think about one thing. What's the one thing God got, gave to you this morning? Write it down. Type it into your notes and your, your, your phone. What's the one thing God spoke to you about? This is what I need to work on. But I can tell you this, this would be one thing that would be really good for you. 
texted this to a pastor friend this morning. You know it. I don't know if my pastor friend Tree knows it. But it goes like this. Jesus. Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. That'd be a really good thing to have one thing. (laughs) Jesus. Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your life this morning. We'd be so full of Jesus that it would change the world around us, our sphere of influence. Jesus. Nothing more. Nothing less.